1: A warm and really low. Welcome to Loving
2: Las Vegas for go with myself, Juggie Skeeters, and now part of the Deason Family Podcast, we've got a great podcast for you guys. We're going to be joined at segment number two by one of our good friends over at the three-man week, that be Jim Root. Jim, much like myself, a man that was born and raised in the great state of Wisconsin and what we're going to be talking with him about is trying to gauge some futures market value. When it comes to a lot of these guys that are more notable names in the transfer portal, I'm looking at you, Hunter Dickinson. I'm looking at you, Ray J. Dennis, Joe Gerard, what have you. How early in advance prior to these guys announcing where they're going to be going? Are you able to find value in the futures market? And even if you miss out on an announcement, are you still able to get a good number? That is something that I'm going to be asking, Jim. We're also going to be just taking a look at some of the teams that have been able to make some good moves in general. And when it comes to really non-futures as well, taking a look at team chemistry. How much of an impact should we be putting on our evaluations of teams entering into the 2023-24 season? with this regard as well. Jim is one of the best minds so you're going to find handicapped in college basketball. So I'm going to be picking his brain about what he is going to be sort of taking a look at and what he's going to be filtering out of some of his team previews, what he's going to be trying to do when he comes up with his power rankings, what have you. In segment number two, and then in the final segment, we saw plenty of news in college basketball. We're going to be rounding that all up for you. In the final segment, we've got about 19 to 20 minutes of news and notes. So that's what we've all got on tap today on Coast Soups. Coast Supes. And if you do have a question, comment, segment, idea, what have you, for this podcast, you do have one of two ways to be able for this in. First, one is my Twitter timeline at JNN underscore D1. Keep in mind, letters, ZM, yeah. Amy does not matter. So, as per usual, please send these into the timeline. The other way is find an Apple Podcast review. If you rate this podcast five stars, it is very much appreciated. From there, you're able to fire in whatever you'd like to do on this podcast via that five star review. Really did not get in any Twitter questions today, other than where in the heck do I think Hunter Dickinson is going to go? And he did tweet out a. Little tweet of a turtle that was then immediately deleted. I don't know what to make of that, so we're going to be getting on the podcast tomorrow. One of our good friends from the field of 68 along with Sleepers Media and Greg Waddell he is a man that's out in the great state of Michigan, and we're going to be talking all about the Hunter Dickinson situation, but I do think that that's a very big thing to take a look at right now, just what to make out of these guys that they're sort of on the fence because any team that picks up Hunter Dickinson, whether that be Maryland, whether he decides to go back to Michigan, whether he goes to Kansas, you're able to go down the list. I know that there's just... Every single fan base at all of college basketball that wants Hunter Dickinson. What to make out of the future's move that that is going to be yielding itself to. And can you catch the bookmakers a little bit asleep at the wheel as well? Because as we know, bookmakers... They're right now working through handicapping baseball every single day. They're looking at the NBA-NHL playoffs. Are you able to get a number that might be hanging out there just after the announcement as well? That's something that I'm going to be discussing with our good friend Jim. I will say I'm a little bit salty that we didn't get the Hunter Dickinson announcement on Tuesday. I thought we were promised it. We were not given that... Announcement, so that was a little bit sad, but it should be coming relatively soon. And a man that does a great job of rolling with all the punches is Jim, who joins me on the flip side right here on Cusca's Hoops with myself, Youth Peters,
0: and now Albert, a part of the music family. Bye.
2: Las Vegas for with myself, Greg Peterson. Now, part of Family Podcast, it is great to be joined by this man as all three gentlemen over at the Three Man Weave do absolutely exceptional work. Taking a look at the great game of college basketball, and today we head out to the Midwest to chat with our good friend Jim Root. He does an incredible job taking a look at this great game. He, much like myself, a native of the great state of Wisconsin, and with three-man weave, I know that they did a great job last year with the Field of 68's preview guide, the Almanac. I know that they did great work over at Action Network as well. And to be able to follow the three-man weave on Twitter, that is at the number 3MW underscore CBB. And for Jim Root, you're able to follow him on Twitter at the number 2 for second chance
3: points altogether. And Jim Great to have you aboard. Thank you. Great to be here, Greg. The, the college basketball sphere never sleeps. I thought we were starting to get down to it with the transfer portal and everything settling into place. and We've got a couple dominoes still out there at the top end of things. But even in the past week, we've had some really, really legitimate starter caliber players in the power conference enter the portal. So this carousel, this merry-go-round keeps going round and round, giving us plenty to discuss in the offseason. It certainly does. And you mentioned it. There's a lot of
2: shall we say, anticipated announcements. Now, when this podcast comes out, people are going to know where Tyler Perry is going to be going. No, not the Tyler Perry that you know from Hollywood, the one from the hardwood, but he's going to be making his announcement very late on Tuesday, so that'll be known information. We were expecting Hunter Dickinson to make an announcement on Tuesday. He did not, but if you have an inkling of, where is someone like a Tyler Perry, a Hunter Dickinson, go down the list of big-name guys are going to go, How much value do you think there is in betting the futures market a few hours before some of these decisions are made? Because I do think that we are going to be seeing some big ones. Ray J. Dennis is another one that I think is worth mentioning. And these are some big-time impact players that are still out there in the transfer
3: portal. Yeah, definitely. I mean, Grant Nelson, Jordan Dingle, the two guys I was kind of alluding to earlier that have really recently entered. But like you said, Hunter Dickinson, Tyler Perry, Olivier Comwa is still out there, somebody that can really help a top-level team. And with trying to pick off some of that value in futures, you got to look at the team context, I think, because no matter what, you're probably going to get a good price. And even if you're able to do it right as they commit, you know, books just aren't as dialed in on college basketball futures right now. So if you're able to see a piece of news and you feel like it's really valuable towards a potential title run, then you can jump in and you can get probably a pretty solid number on whatever team that that guy is actually heading to. For somebody like Perry, I would imagine, and just from what I've heard, he is down to Kansas State or Florida, I think very likely Kansas State. And so if you're really liking K-State, the fact that they're going to pick up somebody like Perry that can play that role that Marquise Noel was in, you know, the the lead ball handler, the maestro, the late game bucket getter, and you really think that that's going to lead to a a potential deep run in the second year under Jerome Tang, by all means, go out and get that price. You're going to end up better than where the market settles just because that player does have value. I think it's worthwhile if you think within the context of that team, that player adds something enough to get them to a, a potential you know, deep run in the tournament where you're sitting there with a couple teams late in the tournament and you figure out the right – whether it's hedging or even just kind of reframing the value of your different futures portfolio teams, it's worth taking a swing this early because you're usually not going to get a better price. The offseason is a great time to jump on those future prices.
2: It absolutely is. And I do think that it's just so interesting to gauge all the news that we're getting right now because we thought we were going to get that commitment from Hunter Dickinson. We all got teased on Tuesday. So that was not necessarily a whole heck of a lot of fun, but I just take a look at what we're getting right now in the landscape of college basketball. And I do find it to be really interesting that we are talking about these teams that are making these big-time moves. Like, I think that Houston has done an amazing job in the transfer portal, West Virginia, no doubt about it. They've done an incredible job as well. But how much do you want to be banking on these teams that they have been able to keep their roster together, a team like a Florida Atlantic that is going to have most of their guys returning? I think that, by and large, we have seen... Duke do a very good job of be able to keep their roster together as well, especially with Kyle Filipowski returning. And while a lot of people are taking a look at these transfer portal moves, how much do you want to be banking on chemistry and these teams that they're running it back
3: from a season ago? From a future's perspective, not really a ton. I, I just I don't know that it's going to be a differentiator come March and the postseason runs are going to get. But I definitely like it betting early in the season. You know, we're still <laughs> we're six months away from from that actually being relevant on a game-to-game basis, but somebody like FAU really knows who they are as they enter that season. They're like, all right, we, we've all played together. We've been in very, very similar roles. We're comfortable with the coach. That can be a serious advantage early on in the season where they're much closer to their final form and a more refined version of the team, whereas a team that turns a bunch over. You, West Virginia, I think, is a great team that you mentioned, somebody it, that fits that bill, where it's a bunch of pieces that look really intriguing on paper. Huge Jesse Edwards fan. I don't know so much about the the crease fit there with Bob Huggins, but generally speaking, that's a team that's going to probably take a little bit of time to figure itself out. Huggins will get a sense of you know what those guys can do, what they can't. They've got to adapt to each other's personalities, both players and coaches, and just the players with each other. So if you've got a team that's really veteran and is going to be playing super similar roles with the same coach, I think that's a value proposition early in the year as those spreads come out where you can find a team that's just going to be farther along that learning curve than a lot of these other teams. I think that it is very important to take a look at and that's
2: to your point something that you want to be taking a look at a little bit more towards the beginning part of the season a little bit less from a future's perspective but I do think that that is very important to be taking a look at as joining me on the podcast we do have Jim Rood who does amazing work over at the three-man weave and no question about it there's a lot of time to be able to evaluate what we're going to be getting for the beginning part of the 2023-24 season. We aren't going to be able to bet any of these games until November. But how much, when it comes to your off-season research in terms of how you project these teams moving forward for the upcoming season. Do you want to be taking a look at that chemistry? Because it's something that I've been stressing in recent seasons, but I feel like I need to put even more emphasis on it now than I have in past seasons because I just take a look at it time and time again. And the one commonality that I've seen since the transfer portal really boomed, I'm going to call it about four or so years ago, really with COVID pandemic and the uh, waivers, just being more and more handed out for lack of a better term. Nobody's needed to sit out in recent years, but how much have you been wanting to just take a look at chemistry? Because I feel like I've placed more and more of an emphasis on it in every year. And I think I'm going to
3: do so once again this year. Yeah. We try to put our armchair psychologist hats on and figure out how all these personalities are going to mesh together. Watching, Shrinking on Apple TV Plus, on you know the mindset of people is is fresh on my mind, and and trying to figure out how they're all going to mesh together. And it's not always perfect for the teams that are coming back. I think last year's North Carolina is a great example of a team that brought back a ton. They brought in one really significant piece with Nance replacing Manic, and it still didn't fit together. Sometimes when you experience success, everybody wants a little bit bigger piece of the pie the next year. I think. Bill Simmons calls it like the disease of me, and we probably saw that a little bit with the uh, the North Carolina backcourt. So you got to be careful trying to assess which teams are going to work as well together, which ones are maybe going to fit best as as guys that I think of like Texas last year, a bunch of older guys that maybe had had higher usage at other places, but they all had kind of chips on their shoulder where they clearly wanted to accomplish something together. Not a lot of them had been very far in the NCAA tournament and they make that run to the Elite Eight and very nearly go to the Final Four, got to try to make a guess at which teams are going to have that sacrifice, and which teams are going to maybe have some issues putting it all together, and a lot of that comes down to coaching. Who has the strong personality, the guy that's proven over time that he can unite those kind of personalities and make them all work together versus somebody like Hubert Davis with less of that proven track record. So there's so many different factors that go into trying try to figure out how that chemistry is going to work, but it is a crucial part of the – preseason diagnosis and definitely never going to be an exact science for us Greg, but we're going to try it because it it is vital.
2: And I'm so glad that you bring up North Carolina from last season, because I feel like we see it every single year where a team makes a deep run in March, where it's rather unexpected. and A lot of those teams that they make that unexpected run in March may become fades the very next season. How much do you take a look at some of these teams? Because there were a lot of teams that made runs that we did not expect this March, with having oh, I don't know, Princeton as a 15 seed being able to make the Sweet 16. Fairly Dickinson won two games in the NCAA tournament. You're able to go down the list of your surprises as we had no seeds one through three make the final four how much do you want to be taking a look at those teams that without a question they are going to get a big boost from what we saw in their numbers from the 2022-23 season based on those runs and perhaps fade them a little bit early because recency bias i think is very real with regards to college basketball people see the deep run from the previous year they want to bank on them for the next year I, Typically, it does not result in a very profitable way to be able to take a look at things.
3: Yeah, as much as I want to say, like, the final version of a team that they show in March is the one you want to evaluate based on the next season, it's probably not entirely true. And there's just so many bounces of the ball that can go one way or the other in those tournaments. Like, you go all the way back to North Carolina, the example you're talking about. If they're not able to pull out the overtime game against Baylor in the second round, they don't walk into last season with that number one hype. They probably don't get that same kind of boost in the preseason polls. They're not viewed as as much of a disappointment. It, it's just a very reactionary, easy to, to paint with a broad brush after the NCAA tournament. Now, I don't know that there's anybody that quite satisfies that criteria. I think FAU being placed in top fives is, is probably the closest team to it and, and maybe not fair to that program, given that the fact that they've never really been even a top 100 team and suddenly we're going to put them in the top five after last year. I know they bring everybody back, and they, to me, seem like a very hungry group. I was impressed with them at the press conference after the Final Four, how down-to-earth they were and and appreciative of the run and excited to get back to work. But really expecting that team that doesn't really have much NBA caliber talent isn't adding any pieces that shoot them up the rankings to just go from 20th to 5th because they made a Final Four. I think that's a little misguided and, and probably going to lead to them seeming like a disappointment so you just gotta pick and choose and and really try to figure out what the team was for most of the season Miami's another one that that didn't really defend all year they did for four games in March but is that really you know do we can can we expect that to carry forward to next year it's a lot of that and you can also of course go the other way the team that didn't play well for one game in March are they actually going to be a lot better next year because people are discounting them because of a March performance there's a lot of that to try to sift through. And it's much more fun this way. Like when we didn't have an NCAA tournament in 2020, there weren't any overreactions to runs or to lack of a team that got upset. I like that we have the tournament to go off of. It maybe head fakes the public a little bit and it gives us, diving into all this research, Craig, I think maybe a little bit of an advantage to start the season.
2: Yep, and you're even able to go back two seasons ago when UCLA was able to make the Final Four. They lose on that Jalen Suggs half court. It's not like they were a total fade or anything like that the next season, but they were a preseason number two team and I think all of us knew, man, preseason number two for UCLA, that seems to have went a little bit far as we are being joined by Jim Ruda does amazing work over at the three-man weave right here on Costa Hoops and Jim, it's been about a month since we've last talked and I just want to get your thoughts on some of these teams that you've been rather impressed with and if perhaps you've maybe added a team or two to your features portfolio as a result in the last, we're going to call it four weeks or so because I do think that there have been a lot of fascinating moves as we have talked about a lot of guys that are big names still need to commit but we have been seeing a lot of these guys come off the board as well
3: and some teams be able to fortify themselves one thing I think was a super huge addition was Kansas getting Arterio Morris from the portal they've already got a point guard with DeWan Harris super steady guy that has been in that system for a while but I wasn't sure where the true bucket getting was going to come from that's never really been Harris's strength you know Jalen Wilson's gone Grady Dick is gone and they bring a solid freshman class but now Morris brings that five-star pedigree didn't get to show it a ton with Texas because they had Marcus Carr because they had Serge Ibari Rice Tyrese Hunter but I think he's going to provide a lot of pot for them in the perimeter a team that really really needed it Kansas is somebody that's trended up for me I haven't added a future yet but I'm, I'm starting to think about it and one team that's Way, way further off the radar, and I'm not sure how much you've gotten to discuss them already at this point, but California, a team that has been a complete dumpster fire for years and years, from Viking Jones to Mark Fox last, you know, basically five seasons, a team you can laugh off as an afterthought. Now they are getting an awesome coach, in my opinion, in Mark Madsen, he's already added Fardaz Zamak from Texas Tech, Jalen Cohen from Northern Arizona, and Virginia Tech before that, got Keontae Kennedy today from Memphis, the collective talent level of that roster Making them a little bit more competitive come Pac-12 play, and it's not going to be a team you can just immediately pencil into 11th or 12th and, and forget about it. I, I think there's going to be some uh, some games where Cal really surprises people, and you know who knows that the upside of that roster could potentially even be a return to the NCAA tournament.
2: Yeah, with Cal in the Pac-12, especially they should be able to get get some nice wins over Oregon State. I have no idea, by the way, why Stanford didn't get Mark Madsen instead. That's just a complete failure for them to continue (laughs) to ride this out with Jared Haas. I I don't know what more they need to see to realize that Jared Haas is not the guy, but, I mean, their loss is Cal's gain. I really like what they've done. To your point, they did a nice job bringing in Fardas Amec. Keontae Kennedy is someone that committed to the program above. 24 to 48 hours ago so I really do like the way that they're trending upward as well so I'm glad that you mentioned that and Jim I know you're doing an incredible job of taking a look at all that we're getting right now in college basketball we are going to be seeing some big decisions in future days and I know that you guys over there at the three-man weave are doing an incredible job of keeping track of it all so let the good people at home no, it's all on tap for you, and how people can follow along on social media and other platforms.
3: Yeah, it's been quieter past month or so for us since the season ended, but we are putting out an episode of the Three Men Weave podcast every couple of weeks, pretty much every two weeks. We'll get back to once a week fairly soon. We're just unwinding still after the season. If you're listening to this today on Wednesday, May third, we're going to have a pod that is live on our YouTube channel, and I think it'll be sometime around two two thirty in the afternoon Central Time. If you miss it live, no worries. It'll be up in, in the feed. Every podcast listening app, so check that out. Maybe we'll sneak out a couple of articles for our website, 3 man com. And then, yeah, the wheels are already turning for next year's almanac and getting started and having that big, giant preseason publication coming out. We're trying to look ahead and not get behind on that kind of stuff and, and be focused on the future. So the podcast, the website, that's, that's what I would recommend. Absolutely.
2: And I'm sure that you guys are running into the same thing that I am. I'm trying to start to project forward on some of these teams, but with how many guys there are in the transfer portal, it's relatively difficult at this point. But just trying to piecemeal things together, it's like a puzzle where you're just starting out, you're starting to be able to get some of those edge pieces. You're trying to see, all right, can we get a little bit of a border here so that way we can fill in more of the middle. I know that Jim and all the guys over there at the three man we've are working hard on that. And every single time any of those three gentlemen join this podcast they lend great insight, much like Jim did today. So, big thanks to Jim Root for joining me right here on Casca Deep out, part of the VCU Family Podcast. Coming next, it is that Town Podcast. Give you a roundup of the news and notes that we saw in college basketball on Tuesday.
1: I don't have time, and I'm not good at it. Angie is. In just a few taps in the Angie app or clicks on the site, you can have Angie tackle your home service project start to finish. With over 200,000 pros in their network, Angie makes it easy to research, compare, and hire pros to ensure a job done well. I don't have time, and I'm not good at it. Angie is. Then just a few taps in the Angie app or clicks on the site, you can have Angie tackle your home service project start to finish. With over 200,000 pros in their network, Angie makes it easy to research, compare, and hire pros to ensure a job done well. or download the app today.
2: And we're right here in Las Vegas, for just, just with myself, Peters and Now, part of the VCU family, of podcast. It is always a pleasure to get Jim Root aboard. He does amazing work over at the Three Man Weave, covering this great game that we all know and love of college basketball, all 12 months out of the year. And Every single time he joins this podcast, I feel like we get a little bit smarter. So, big thanks to him for joining me in the last segment. Now it is that time of the podcast. I give you a little bit of a roundup as to all the news and notes we saw in college basketball over the last 24 hours. Ironically enough, we're going to have Greg Waddell on the podcast tomorrow. He does a great job as well over there at the field of 68 along with at Sleepers Media, which they do a lot of Big Ten coverage, and we're going to be talking about how the Big Ten has not made a lot of transfer moves, and of course, right before I come on to do this recording, we saw a pair of guys going to the Big Ten. Not necessarily big splash guys, but Josiah Alec decided that he is going to be going to Nebraska. Someone that I was able to put up last year. half points, seven half boards over at New Mexico, and if you look at what he did at UMKC during the 2020-21 season, good versatility with 15 points, 6 boards that year, he shot 35 and a half percent from three-point inch out. Yeah, he's coming off of shooting, I'm not even kidding here, 15.8 percent from three-point inches past season, but he's someone that is six 6'8", so so he's to pop threes, Is a native of the state of Nebraska. I do think that this is going to be a solid fit for them. I do think that they're going to need him to improve that three-point shooting just a little bit, though, and then Leo O'Boyle. O'Boyle rules as he is going to be going from Lafayette, and he is going to be heading on over to Penn State. He last season in the Patriot League was solid. He was able to give Lafayette, right around eleven and a half points per contest. Shot forty percent from three point range. Was playing in one of the slowest systems in all of college basketball, so I do think that it's going to be interesting to see him uh, try to fortify himself in this Mike Rhodes just a little bit more of a pressure system. Was able to generate about a steal per contest. And I do think that he is going to be able to make that leap. He is six foot seven. He's got good versatility. Not really the master of anything, but very good at very many things, so we shall see how this is going to be turning out, as we know with Utah State and their coaching change, they're in all sorts of transition, and Z Hamoda decided that he was going to be entering into the transfer portal, last year was a primary reserve for the seam shot, 37% for three, 4.2 points per contest, not a super high impact guy, but especially if he goes down to a little bit of a lower level, I think that he could be able to have some nice production and be able to become a starter. Lock were he was playing at Oregon this last season. Six foot eight, little bit of a combo guy that you expected him to get a few more minutes, just never really was able to blossom for this team. He was able to average right around two and a half points, two and a half rebounds per contest this last season. He has decided that he is gonna be entering in the transfer portal. And I do think that there might be a little bit of an unearthed gem here. He's got some good versatility, he's got a relatively solid frame. Just was never able to get those minutes that he was really hoping for. So I am very fascinated to see where he ends up. I believe that he was a number two prospect from the state of Nebraska a few seasons ago. So that is something that I'm going to be keeping note of. Eli Lawrence, he last season was playing at Middle Tennessee. He decided that he is going to be going to Texas A&M. And in my opinion, a perfect fit for Texas A&M. An A&M bunch of... They don't necessarily have one or two guys that they just completely dominate a game, but it's a whole is greater than the sum of its parts sort of system, and... Eli Lawrence was a part of that this last year at Middle Tennessee. At Middle Tennessee, right around 12 points, a steal, four rebounds per game, shot 34% from three as a six-foot-five, a little bit of a combo player. I think that this is going to be working out very well on all fronts, so I do like that pickup. This is one that I think is impactful for the transfer portal as well. He's not a big-name guy, but I do think that in the right fit, he is going to be able to ascend Alamami Karama. He was playing this last year at Cal Poly was pretty much your top scorer of the last three seasons. As he averaged thirteen and a half points per contest the last two seasons, this last year, 10.8 points, 4.3 boards, shot about 31% from three as a six foot eight. Do it all sort of player that was able to do a solid job on defense. He has decided that he is going to be entering into the transfer portal. I mean, it was just not a great situation at Cal Poly, a team that actually covered quite a few numbers for you if you were betting on them. They just couldn't pull off wins because there is not a lot of scoring there. So Karama looking for a little bit more help. He is in the transfer portal. Brandon Suggs, he this last season was playing at Central Florida and he's decided that he's going to be going to New Mexico State. New Mexico State has a long rebuild to overcome, but you know what? They're bringing in some guys. I think that this is a good starting point. Jalen Jackson Posey coming in from Stephen F. Austin a few days ago as well you know what, they're starting to land some guys, and for Suggs this last season at Central Florida, he put up right around 6.5 points per contest, shot 41% from three-point range. Jackson he was a good three-point shooter over at Stephen F. Austin as well, and when he was at East Carolina two seasons ago, the 2021-2022 season, you did see Suggs show off a little bit more versatility as he had two and a half assists, one and a half seals, 10 points per contest, wasn't quite the three-point shooter that he was this past season, but at six foot six, as a nice skill set, this is a very good gift for them. Jordan Turner down for what? He this last season was playing over at Baylor and he has decided that he is going to be heading on over to Louisiana Tech. A Louisiana Tech team that I find them to be very interesting as well as they've been making some moves in recent days. They picked up Talik Chavez a couple days ago from Charleston Southern. I do think that they are Really starting to build themselves a nice roster when it comes to Turner. Just not a guy that was able to see a lot of minutes over at Baylor. He was swallowed up just with the four and five star guys that were coming in there. But if you take a look at Turner and the way that he was recruited coming out of high school... He was a guy that there was a little bit of fanfare around, not a guy that you necessarily expected to be amazing or anything like that, but at six foot eight, he's able to pop a few threes. He's got a little bit of versatility. Career 34.9% three-point shooter again in limited minutes, but something that Louisiana Tech, in my opinion, needed, and I think that he is going to be able to carve himself out some good minutes there. Brian Selbongui, he last season was playing over at Tulsa, a very highly touted junior college guy. He was playing at Florida Southwestern, Went into Tulsa, a team that just stunk, but he was very much the only guy that could rebound for them. 12 points, 9 boards, a steal per contest. Not a guy that's going to shoot threes at six foot nine, but a guy that's able to man the pain, and he is going to be going to Arizona State. Arizona State is going to be losing Warren Washington from last season, so he can easily go into that role, and just be able to do a solid job manning things down low. I absolutely love this pickup for Arizona State. If they're looking for a guy that plays about 15 to 20 minutes of good hard defense, and you've got that here with Sobongu, not going to be too much of a scorer, but someone that's going to be able to do a solid job, be able to help things out down low, and it has been an Arizona State team that has really turned over a new leaf under the Hurley coaching staff. You saw Jamari Allen decide that he was going to be entering into the transfer portal with Shamari Allen. He was a part of that UMKC team that Let's see and they weren't great by any stretch of the imagination under Marvin Menzies, but they were rather competitive. Now, in the last 48 hours, they lose Shamari Allen, who gave the team 17 points, 5 boards, 2.7 assists per contest, shot about 34.5% for three-point range, and then they also lost their top scorer under Aquandis Mitchell, who's now in the portal as well. He's also testing out the NBA draft waters, he averaged 17 points per game. That is going to leave this team completely gutted if both of these guys do end up leaving. I do have to think that that is going to be the case. So, a really bad last 48 hours for UMKC. A good last 48 hours for those teams that are looking for some talent and guys are able to be bucket getters in the portal. Amani Drummond, he last season was playing at Central Michigan. Only had about two and a half points per contest. A little bit of a combo guard that he didn't necessarily shoot it well from three-point range. He's a guy that you've got to expect is going to be playing a little bit more of a point guard role, and he has decided that he is going to be going to Incarnate Word. This was not a guy that was like some highly touted five-star guy or anything like that, but a more touted guy than what a school like Incarnate Word could typically get, and I do think that this is going to be a solid fit for Incarnate Word. Now, with Incarnate Word losing Jonathan Cisse, their top scorer in the offseason, that is going to be rough for them, but for Incarnate Word, in past years they just haven't been able to get in much via the transfer portal at all. Being able to get something like this I think it's just a step in the right direction in general. I do think that he could give this team a little bit of ball handling, try to be able to get some of their shooters out in space so being able to bring in a guy like a Drummond I do think that that is going to be good for them Sean Duru Gordon, he was playing this last season at Austin Peay and he has decided that he is going to be heading on over to Siena, a former top 400 recruit that began his career at Missouri and this last year at Austin Peay put up good numbers. He was a starter for them 12.5 points, 6 boards just under a steal per contest shot about 31% from three-point range he's a six-foot-seven combo player that is actually from the state of New York so he's going to be heading a little bit closer to home and for Drew Gordon I do think that he's going to be a nice fit for a Seattle team that they're just very versatile in general. This past season, you take a look at what Dru Gordon was able to do as well from the beginning of the month of December on. So his final 19 games of the season shot about 32 and a half percent for three point range, pulled in there more like six half boards and 13 and a half points per game. So he was able to ascend as the season went along for Austin P. It was a rather rough Austin P. team, but he was able to do a solid job. So. I do think that that is a nice pickup for them. This is a nice pickup for UIS, says. You've got them being able to go out there and get a D1 talent in Jaden Johnson. With Jaden Johnson, he was playing this last season over at Illinois State. And with Illinois State, we did see quite a few moves with them over the last 48 or so hours. As Liam McChesney, he decided that he was going to be entering into the transfer portal. And he has elected that he is going to be going to high point, unlike UIS, who is at the D2 level, and for those that are wondering, they are the Prairie Stars out in the D2 level, so congratulations to them on landing a D1 talent, but anyway, with him, he was only averaging about a point point a half per contest, but with McChesney, getting back to him, going high point, six and a half points, right around 3.2 rebounds per contest, someone with a little bit of size, uh, was able to pop it from three at about 34.5%. Now, it's very easy with the Johnson transfer. All you need to know is that he is now going from the D1 level to the non-D1 level, across off your list of names have guys that you need to evaluate and move on. Meanwhile, for McChesney, I do think that he's going to be able to go to high point, be a relatively solid player for them, and be able to make a nice little bit of an impact. We saw Jalen Forrest, who was playing this last season over at Presbyterian. He is going to be joining Georgia Tech. I was saying that Georgia Tech was picking up a lot of big man and they needed to balance it out with a little bit of a guard, and you know what? They were able to get a little bit of something out of the Presbyterian transfer. I don't know if this is necessarily the answer for them. Now, Damon Sottlemeyer is doing a better job of being able to uh, work the transfer portal than, uh, say, the previous regime was able to. But that's that with Forrest. He gave the team, Presbyterian, about 11.5 points per contest last season. Didn't really dole it out. Shot 31.5% from three-part range. He was a Big South all-freshman performer. I don't know if I necessarily see him making the jump to the ACC, though. You wish him nothing but the best, but I still think that this Georgia Tech team is in relative trouble when it comes to the backcourt. Grant Nelson is a guy that I really do like, though. He has decided that he is going to be entering in the transfer portal, line. I don't think that there is going to be a shortage of teams that are going to be in on him. He was playing this last year at North Dakota safe for the old Bison as he was able to register about 18 points, 9 boards. He's got handles at six foot 11. He only shot about 27% from three, but he's got the ability to pop threes as a freshman. Shot more like 35.5% from three-point range, a guy that could completely take over a game. So I think that that is a solid gift for them. We have spoken quite a bit about the Big Ten, and, well, we saw a transfer from Michigan decide to make their decision on Tuesday. No, I'm not talking about Hunter Dickinson. We came up snake eyes on the Hunter Dickinson decision, but... Greg Glenn, who he played four games last season, averaged 1.5 points per contest. He has decided that he is going to be going to Tulane, a green wave team that they do have quite a bit of rebuilding to do because they lose Jalen Cook, was just amazing for them. He decided that he was going to be going to LSU. But with Glenn, seven, a little bit of a combo player, and he was a legitimate top 150 recruit. He's got a nice skill set, not a guy that's going to go out there and just be able to really light it up from three point range. He does like to play a little bit on the perimeter. He's very spotty with regards to his shooting, but I think that he's a lot stronger than a lot of people give them credit for for two lane. This is a team that really needed a little bit more down low as well, so I do think that this is going to be an impactful pickup for them. This pickup I do think is relatively big as well, as Kyle Carlissimo, if that name sounds familiar, that is of relation to P.J. Carlissimo, the former coach and current analyst. He was playing at Eastern Illinois this last season, and he has decided that he is going to be going to Colgate. Colgate is getting a guy with a relatively good skill set, shot 36.5% from three-point range, didn't necessarily got the minutes that he was desiring towards the back half of the season. He was only able to register about four points per contest. He had some big performances along the way. He had 19 points against St. Mary of the Woods College, which you would like to see a little bit more there. But in the uh, big giant upset win that they had against Iowa, was a little bit of an afterthought there. But by and large, whenever he would receive some minutes, he would be able to put up some points for this team I do think that he's got a little bit of a skill set to become a point guard as well from everything that I saw from him so I do think that that is going to be valuable for a Colgate team that they know how to utilize shooters and this is a guy that's able to shoot it I was mentioning the fact that Tulane was able to pick up the former top 150 recruit from Michigan in Mr. Greg Glenn well they picked up another gentleman on Tuesday as well in Asher Woods Woods put up some nice numbers out in the SoCon this last season over at VMI. Shot about 31.5% from three-point range, but 14 points, four boards, 2.3 assists, and about a steal per contest as a freshman. I really do like his overall game. I think that he is going to be able to step in right away and be able to give Tulane so much needed scoring. I don't think that he's going to put up the same numbers that he did in the SoCon, but Tulane needed a little bit of depth from last season in order to play their up-tempo style. So I do think that this is going to work out well for them. Seton Hall has really been attracting the transfer portal hard the last few off-seasons, and they've been trying to be able to get in there a little bit more size, and I do think that that'll satisfy the quota. As they bring in Jaden Bediaco, I believe that he is of relation to Charles Bediaco, as he last season was a starter over at Santa Clara, put up six points, five boards, a block per contest. Not a guy that's going to be going out there shooting threes or anything like that, and that is something that Seton Hall is going to need to address as They were very bad from the perimeter last season, but if they're looking to build themselves up down low, this is a good way to be able to replace Tyree Samuel. They also brought in Elijah Hutchins Everett, who was playing this last season over at Austin P. They bring in Dylan Adi Awusu. He's someone that is going to be able to address a little bit more of their three-point shooting as well, so I do think that that is going to be a nice pickup for them. Deontay Bass was playing over at Georgia Tech this last season, and he's decided that he is going to be joining Alabama State. Just someone that didn't see a lot of minutes in general, and you've got quite a few of these guys that they are at power conference schools. They don't see a lot of minutes, and they decide that they're going to be going a little bit further downward. He is a native of the state of Georgia, so not too much of a surprise here. I believe that he averaged something like a half a point per contest, so he just really was not able to find his fit, but with that said, while he was over at Georgia Tech while he was being recruited, he was someone that was on the radar of quite a few. He's a former top 250 recruit, number 10 recruit from the state of Georgia at 6'6", six not going to necessarily go out there, shoot a bunch of threes, but could be able to help out Alabama State down low. They've needed all the help that they can get on the board. So I do think that that is going to be a little bit of an impact yet. This is also going to be of impact as well. Zach Clements, he was playing at Kansas this last season and was a solid pickup for them. A former top 100 recruit, as a matter of fact, a former top 75 recruit he is going to UC Santa Barbara. This is the second former top 75 recruit to go to UC Santa Barbara this offseason for Clements. He's 6'5", 225. Not someone that's going to space off the floor too much. He did pop a few threes at Kansas. Shot below 30% from three-point range while he was at Kansas, but you take a look at him at 6'10", he's able to do a nice job on the glass. They've already got Abadur Traor who is going to be coming in from Auburn as well, so Being able to bring in Treyor along with Clements, a pair of top 75 big men, that means that you see Santa Barbara going to be very strong in the post in the Big West once again this season. And then you got Keontae Kennedy deciding that he is going to be going over to Cal. This has been a very good offseason for Cal because, well, for one, they wiped themselves clean of the Mark Fox era, and that alone is very good. But you pick up Mark Madsen as your new coach, which I felt like was legitimately one of, if not the best hire in the off-season, Fardos Amick decided that he was going to reunite with his old coach. So that was a big giant victory, and now you get someone like Kennedy, who was very solid at Memphis. Not a guy that necessarily was your top scorer, but he does have experience being a top scorer when he was at UTEP during the 2021-22 season, put up 14 points, 6 points per contest, was a little bit banged up, but this past year here at Memphis, shot 38% per 3, it's a 6-6, six a six, little bit of a combo player, Jalen Cohn, who was the top scorer at Northern Arizona, is coming in, Mike Meadows, someone that's able to do out the ball, he is entering into the program as well, this has been a very good offseason for Cal, I don't know if it's good enough to be able to get them back to the NCAA tournament or anything like that but take a look at what this team is building and I really do like it and then we did see the commitment of Tyler Perry from what I was being told behind the scenes from Jim Root it sounds like he was going to be going to Kansas State I do have to record this a little bit earlier that was one of the teams on his short list so we are thinking that it's Kansas State I will have full reaction tomorrow though because I do have to post this up a little bit early I do the Greg Peters experience from midnight to 3 Eastern Time so I did have to do this a little bit before I knew exactly where he was going but That gentleman that joined me in segment number two, Jim Root. He is a heck of a guy. He does amazing work. Taking a look at the great game of college basketball. So, big thanks to him for sharing his insight in segment number two of the podcast. And if you do like hearing from this fine podcast, Ghost Coast Hoops, you are able to subscribe wherever your podcast, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, and TuneIn. If you have a question, comment, segment idea, whatever, for this podcast, you do have one of two ways to be able to throw those in. First one is my Twitter timeline, at unit underscore D1. Keep in mind letters EM. They mean does not matter. So, as per usual, please do send these into the timeline and the other way, that's fine. an Apple Podcast review. If you rate this podcast five stars, it is very much appreciated. From there, you are able to fire in whatever you'd like to hear on this podcast. Find that five-star review. I'll be coming at you guys every single day on this podcast, which means that I'll be coming at you guys once again tomorrow in conference previews. We should be getting those going relatively soon. We do need the hoopla of the transfer portal to calm down a little bit more. We could use some NBA draft decisions to be made as well, so probably looking at very, very late May to early June. Just starting those up, but I'll be with you guys every single day in the meantime, which means I'll be back with you once again tomorrow. Thank you so much for tuning in.